Uh, oh, and also, do you want some merch? Uh, hell yeah. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. No. Start the music. Go ahead. Welcome to Howie Mandel Does Stuff. I'm Howie Mandel. And um, Alex is... What are you doing? Oh, Jackie's not here today. And do I have a guest? Am I the guest? You want to be the guest? I could be the guest. Okay, so sit. you want to sit here? Uh, I mean, I, I could be the host. I could be the guest. I Should he sit here? <laughs> okay, so sit right there. The first one right there. All right, sounds okay, good. Okay, you're going to be the guest. Okay. Yeah, wow, this is great. I, I know who work. you are. I watch YouTube. You do? Yeah. I've okay. heard of it. You've heard of it, and Anthony, it. Anthony Padilla. That's right, and he said my last name right. That's that's. Well, how do people say it wrong? People say Padilla. Some people say Padilla. I'm like, where did you get that extra I? Padilla. Uh, Padilla. Padilla. And some people say Padilla, which I guess is like an accent from certain parts of the world. Is that Filipino? Uh, it's, or is it Spanish? It's Spanish. It's Spanish. But Sp Filipino has a Spanish. Yeah, I think that's where the Padilla comes from. That's the Filipino side, which I do have Filipino. Uh, my grandmother's Filipino as well. Fantastic. Was. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. R.I.P. It's all good. Okay. I process. R.I.P. Is she, she? I don't want to bring it up. <laughs> no, it's, it's okay. Yeah. No. Uh, she. What a start to a podcast. I know, right? Let's get into it. You know Death. what? If you start with a dead grandmother, it can yeah. only get better from here. That's true. Yeah. So let's start rock bottom, and then we'll just work our way up. Okay. So um, I am a fan. I, I know what you do. I, oh. I knew. I will. Uh, my son. Yeah, Alex Mandel, mm -hmm. who uh, you know put me on every uh, digital platform there ever was. I didn't even know what YouTube was. Is that how you managed to keep your hands in everything? My for hands so are long? in nothing. Oh, true. Yeah, I don't touch. No touching. I'm, I'm a your German, fists are in lots of things. Uh, lots of things. I, I, my children. Uh, uh, but anyway, Alex worked at the same place that you kind of worked at. But Alex yeah. worked for Defy. Yeah. Well, Defy actually purchased. Smosh, which was your, which you was and the company this that guy, Ian, Air, uh, yeah, yeah Ian you and I created Smosh and Defy purchased that in 2011 for a lot of money. <laughs> you know, I talked a little bit about this. Uh, they purchased it for stock, um, but you were not a public company. <laughs> it never went public, but the there was a dangling carrot always there. We will be public. The more work that you put in, the they more energy you. you put in, we're they, gonna. They lied to you. They. Um. I so, don't know if it was intentional. But no. Uh, when a company <laughs> lies to another company, it's not by accident. Okay. So here's. So here's. You're doing. You and your buddy, mm. um, uh, are in your room at about 18 years old or 16 years old singing Pokemon songs. <laughs> Right, that's essentially what happened. Yeah, we were we had just turned or Power 18. Rangers or it start, yeah, Power Rangers was the first one. That's good. You did your research. Though. No, but I kind of like I want to know who who you are. Oh, this is your social media person. Oh, who hey. are you? Who's this? Uh, oh, this is Kathy Sue. Kathy Sue. Kathy Sue. Two so you hired named, a, a two named person. Two named person, uh, like a country singer. Yes. Yes. So you're shooting him uh, being shot by me. Yeah. And yes. where will this be? Will this be on on, on the show? <laughs> a day with me. Yeah, we're gonna do. I spent a day with Howie Mandel. I'm gonna do your show. Yeah, I love to do your show. I, yeah. But but uh, but I, it's so weird that it's social media on top of social media. It is very very strange, especially you know uh, having 
been part of YouTube in the earliest, earliest days. To imagine that I would be sitting here with Howie Mandel. This is like a this dream come weird, true. Yes. Yes. Right. I mean, we got Bobby here from Bobby's World. Yes. Yes. I used to imitate it all the time because I was obsessed with Bobby's World. Hi. Bobby's World. Bobby's World. Bobby. Bobby. <laughs> we have a Bobby off. This, this is the most insane experience because, like I said, I grew up watching Bobby's World. I grew up watching Gremlins. And, How old you know, are you? Mogwai. 30, what? 35. You're 35. 35. Wow. Yes. Okay. Yes, in a row, young. right? 35 years in a row. Yeah, yeah. Well, I might have skipped a few where I completely dissociated and had panic attacks for a few years, but uh, I'm back. I'm back. Okay. So I want you to take me through this deal. So you and your buddy are singing songs, lip syncing. Or yeah, well, yeah. yeah, it was a lip sync. Yeah, it was a lip sync, and and then uh, it gets the first like how many how many clicks are you getting for like that Pokemon? Yeah, so I mean, it's kind of complicated the way we got there, but um, we made a couple videos. They went semi-viral. What does semi-viral mean? <laughs> like, uh, so it was before YouTube. I, mean, I guess YouTube technically existed, but we didn't know YouTube existed, and there was no website where you can just host videos in 2005. So where did you put it? I put it on my own website. I was like, a, a, on on it on was Anthony.com. It, <laughs> it was it was Smosh.com, a website that I created in 2002 when I was 14. And um, Smosh, which I did some. Uh, uh, research is your mispronunciation of mosh, right? It was it was uh, one of our really close friends was like, oh, I just went to this mosh pit. It was insane. I was like, what did you say? He was like, I said mosh pit. I was like, no, 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 you said smosh pit. And then it became an inside joke with my group of friends. Right. Uh, and then I was in computer class. Uh, I, I Thank God he wasn't <laughs> talking about baseball and he, he bunted it. Because he would have, you would have a yeah, whole new site. Yeah, we it would have been dot com, and it would have been, you know, it would have, it would have been four Can we letters. Say that? It I think that. Can we say that? I think we should, we should say dot com. I don't, I wouldn't say go there, but I, we can say it. Don't pull it up. On slash any what? Slash. Why would we add a slash? On I don't it? know. I just thought because slash it was in on slash index dot php. Okay, that means the homepage. Is it bad that we're saying that? I'm looking out there to the people in the thing. It's not bad. The c word. Um. Is the C word acceptable? I heard that the C word is one of the most offensive words in the U.S. I don't. I can't say the same about Australia. I think they love saying England. I England. work with a lot of people from England, and they, they, it's affectionately used. Yeah, like oh, I love you, like that. No, I was like, oh, you fucking like that. Oh, uh, he's a, he's. A, how many times are you gonna say that? Um, how many times do you want me to say? Because I could do more. What is your record? <laughs> uh, I think I've probably said it 30 times in a row, but I could do more. Um, <laughs> do you have a girlfriend? You have a girlfriend. Yes, yes, I Mike. do. Mike. Mikey. Mikey, yes. Mikey. And yeah. do you use that word around Mikey? Um, if she wants me to. Does she tell you? Um, oh, call me that dirty name, <laughs> Anthony. Call me that dirty name. Uh, I think she would probably like it. I'll give it a try tonight and let you know. Are you engaged? No, not yet. Oh, can you do that on this podcast? It'd be good for uh, clicks. Oh, where Will you call her and ask her to marry you and make a proposal on your show right now, right now. Yes. You know, I could also do it like I could hologram myself in, which would also be interesting. First proposal via hologram. Will you do that? No. But, but um, I mean, uh, you're staring at me with silence, and I assume that means you want me to say yes. It's still a no. Oh, I've been engaged once before, but we won't talk about that. You just did. <laughs> That's where you can use the c word. Apparently, if you're not no longer with that person, 
No, no, no words attached. There's no, no words attached. No, not for that. You were engaged. At what point yeah. did you call it off? How close to, did you have a date? No, no date was set in stone. It was about. Do you actually set dates in stone? Um, when you're dead. I don't want to talk about your grandmother <laughs> anymore. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, shit. What were we talking about? So, yeah. Uh, I forget. I'm looking uh, at your tattoos. I know that oh. they're a bone of content. Like, a lot of people talk about it online. They're kind of interesting. So. It's like you're uh, you're putting veins on the outside of your body. You know, it depends how you look at it. You That's how I'm at looking it. at it. You what could, What is look it? At it. What, what are those? Um, they're cool. Oh, thank you. And I've never seen anybody do that. Yeah. Would it explain explain your tattoo to me? This is the most uh, off the wall conversation I've ever had about thirty five things at once. Trying to catalog all of it. All right, tattoo talk. Let's go. This is uh, this is uh, what my listener. I only have two. Two people. But one of the listeners, uh, they always say that I. I interrupt and I go off on too many tangents. I'm not I, good at this. Because from my show, I try to catalog conversations that I have so I can always come back. So now I've got like 10 conversa open-ended conversations. We've got origin of YouTube, origin of me with my group of friends, Smosh. We got uh, my prior engagement. We got my current girlfriend and how we're not engaged yet. We got tattoo talk. So should we get into all of it? Should we keep bullet point lists? No, we're out of time. Thank you for being all on right, the All right, thank you so much. I had great. a great time. Whatever you want to talk about right now. What do you want to, what, what part of that? Those are all what I wanted to cover. Yeah. Okay. You, and take it from here. What do okay. you want to talk about? You know, I'll, I'll let you or or the, the the live studio audience that we have here. But, you know, where do you, what do you want to hear? Because I've, well, the last I question the I asked, the last question I asked was yeah. the, 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 the tattoos, the tattoos. They're yeah. interesting and unique and different, and I've never mm. seen anything like like their lines. Yeah, well, it's it's uh, you know if you if you ever get a close up look, it's um, I like the style because it looks like it's not a tattoo. You know, some people are like, is that is that a tattoo or is that marker? What is that? I like that it doesn't it doesn't look like the medium that it is. But uh, I wanted tattoos for a very very long time, but I could never figure out something that I would like that would actually stick with me. I'm glad I didn't go with my first inclination when I was 17 and get a little Red Ranger, Power Ranger tattoo to my shoulder. That would have been... That's what you wanted? Yeah, that's why 17-year-olds should not get tattoos. Uh, so you're 35 and you decided yeah. to go with something that looks like you uh, put a marker Yes. all over your arm. Exactly. Very good choice. Um, what is the thought? So, I mean, I was searching for tattoos that I liked for a very very long time never found anything that worked I started kind of refining the the style that I did like which was stuff that l didn't have very clean edges things that looked like it was more hand-drawn or sketched and then I found this one tattoo artist and I became obsessed with her work where all of it it's hard to tell what medium it is it kind of looks like uh, ink spatter slash markers slash um, I don't even know there's lots of different uh, methods and styles that she used and I just could not get it out of my head. And I was like, that's going to be something that can mean a lot to me without having other people look at it and immediately know. That was something that I didn't want is for people to be able to look at my body and say, oh, I know what that is. I know what you're about. I, you know, and kind of have all these assumptions. Although this brings up a lot of different questions. Um, that's exactly what's happening now. Cause I said, what are those lines all over that's your hands? That's true. If I just, if I just had a, a fucking owl on my arm or something, it wouldn't even be at a point of conversation because you'd be like, yeah, it oh, would. I get it. You, really? Why would you put an owl on your arm? Because I wanted that as well when I was like 18. Just an owl that, and a power ranger. Yeah. So I'm very glad I didn't go with that. Although I'm sure in, um, 30 years, I'll look back in this and be like, oh, what did I do? I destroyed my body with these lines, but it looks like veins. 
It, it could, depending on your point of view. I think the further away you are, the more it looks like veins. And this this one definitely does look like veins. When you know what it looks like? That Did you ever go to that, uh, what is that, um, they have those bodies that were plasticized. What's the, oh, what, yeah. what's it the called? The human body exhibit? That's the human, how did I not remember the name <laughs> of the body exhibit? You know the exhibit with the human bodies? But that's kind of like you could see the veins on the outside. Yeah. It, it, it looks like that. It kind of does look like that. Um, but it's, uh, the tattoo artist does a very intuitive style. She's, we, I kind of barely told her what, what I wanted. She did a little tiny sketch of kind of where things would go, but I just let her go for it. And that process was uh, a lot of things for me. It was submitting my trust to someone else because I very much am like control, control, control. Um, I think it came from having a very, what I felt was a very chaotic childhood things were out of my control i felt like everything needed to be in control so this is part of the process of submitting some of my control and knowing that things are okay in someone else's hands uh, it was also uh, being able to differentiate pain from discomfort and kind of reframing my brain by welcoming this thing that i would have considered painful before but it's it almost became uh, a meditative experience of feeling discomfort in so many part of my parts of my body. Like I don't have any really thick tattoos, but I feel like I got almost a sample platter of the way that all these different parts of my body, because it goes uh, from each fingertip on, on on each of my hands, up my shoulders, up my neck, um, down my chest, down my leg, down to my toe. So I kind of got a sample platter of all the different parts of my body and. Uh, it was surprisingly addictive. It was very meditative. It was welcoming this discomfort, knowing that if I do welcome discomfort, it doesn't feel like pain. You know, pain is something that tells your body, you know, alert, alert, look at this part of your body. But if I'm like, oh, it's actually okay, and I can look at that part of my body and know that it's under control, that it's uh, that I want it to be this way then it just simply feels like discomfort. And strangely enough, I feel like that changed my perspective of what some like uncomfortable things feel like. I've been stretching a lot more lately, which before I've been like, ow, that hurts. I don't want to do that. And uh, I feel like it translates also to my daily life, not just physical, but it was like that physical introduction to it that helped me bring it into my daily life too. Doing something like this, I feel with someone that I've looked up to for years and years, I might've found a reason to say no. You know, so I think it's reminded me and it's a constant visual reminder that discomfort is okay, that I can go with the flow more, that, um, you know, getting to like the spiritual side of things, like I feel like we're, we really are just all, we're, it's all energy um, and that everything's gonna be okay. It's all gonna work itself out. And if I welcome it, it's it's not so bad of a thing. That's an amazing answer, and it, <laughs> it makes so much sense. And it's so interesting that, you know, from my perspective, mm -hmm. you know, you have these lines. I wasn't even sure when I first looked that they were, <laughs> that they were tattoos. Yeah, I thought yeah. you had something on your hand. Yeah. But to, to get more out of it and to mm -hmm. have that kind of depth of thought of, mm -hmm. of what it means as opposed to an owl or a Power Ranger... <laughs> You know, what a great answer and what an inspirational kind of, oh. um, uh, th that came off a lot um, more complicated than I would think would come out of a 35-year-old. <laughs> what? 
35, I mean... You uh, think 35 is... And I did, too, when I was 35. You thought you knew your shit when you were 35. But you, you well, you know. always think you know your shit. You yeah. know, you didn't you think you knew your shit when you were 15? Didn't you... Yeah. Th- you you yeah. don't feel like you don't. Yeah. You just look back at yourself at 15 and 16 and yeah. go, I was an idiot. Yes. Uh, yes. But, uh, you know, I'm almost 70. I'm mm. going to be... I'm, Damn, I'm, you look good for 70. Holy shit. Thank you. It's almost a compliment when you go for <laughs> 70. You, when you always have... You, you know, you look skinny for a fat guy. <laughs> You know, but but the but the point that I'm making is it's amazing, you know, so I'm almost twice your age. Mm. So what my perspective of life today versus what it was at 35, where mm. I thought I knew everything and I had done everything and I was out here and already somewhat succeeding um, is very different. Mm. But I, I don't think that you're going to look back at this at in, in your 60s. And I think you're still going to be that was a very. Um, uh, evolved mm. kind of um, move in life. Mm. Well, well, thank you. Yeah, I feel like it was. Um, it was. It's kind of a, a symbol for the point in my life because I just got. All, I just got all this done. Um, I got my first session in June, and then so that was what six months ago. And then I went in for two more sessions uh, about two months after that. So four months ago. So this is a big. Change. Are you done? No, I, I want more already. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it it was a kind of a, a physical reminder, you know, set in stone. Not really set in stone, but it will be buried with me, right? Uh, if I do get buried, we'll see. Um, unless unless you ask to be buried without your skin. Yeah, true. Which mm, well, unless I was thinking, unless I got cremated, but also you could be, you could. Re- well, you can be, you can have, clothes. you can have yourself skinned. Oh yeah. And then, well, I would uh, think about this. Okay. Okay. When you die, if you decide to marry Mikey. Okay. Um, I would, I will, but yeah, you will. Yes. Oh, and you announced that. Um, I mean, I think that it's, it's kind of a, I feel like it's a given, but not until you say, will you marry? <laughs> anyway, what <laughs> I would do is you go, if you, if I don't know what you're culturally, uh, obligated to do, but if, if mm. cremation is what you want to do, you do, but I would have myself skinned. Mm hmm. Cremate everything that's left and make mm-hmm. luggage for your uh, wife. Ooh, okay, luggage, and it would it'd have like that really nice leather kind of like tattered look with those lines. And it would have it would have that's the art better than Louis Vuitton. It. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like a, a AP. It's funny. I yeah, I, it's I, an I AP asked, bag. I asked my tattoo artist. I was like, "How do you feel knowing that the the art that you just did in my body will be buried with me? I will be looking if I live to my eighties. I will be seeing this art on my body for 50 plus years. She was like, I don't know. It's kind of hard to. What's her name? Uh, Bara. Okay. So she is a woman that lives in Prague um, and she goes by Duhovka. Duhovka. Yes. But Um, her real name is Debbie. (laughs) But she goes by Duhovka because you don't want Debbie (laughs) putting lines all over your body. Her name's Bada. You found you flew to Prague to get this done. Uh, the first session I flew to the UK because that was the closest that she was getting to LA. Um, wild experience uh, because it was a very short amount of time that I had. Um, so I flew out, uh, stayed with some friends, and then the next day, the only full day that I was there, got this done, and then flew back the next day. You flew there for this? For this specifically. And then, um, so that was the first session, and then I flew back a couple months later. I was like, it feels really unfinished. I, I, I really want to do more. You went to Prague. And then I went to Prague, yeah, for two more sessions. Which is a beautiful place. It's it's stunning. The the architecture, the history, it's really beautiful. And is she Prague-ish? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Does she, she speak there. English? Uh she does. It's it's very broken. Um, but 
definitely, I could, I could. Fully is she well known? Her. Um, I don't know what well known is. How did you days. find her? Uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was, I was, uh, I had a period where I was playing a lot of computer games, and in between it loading matches, I would be just. Uh, browsing Instagram, Pinterest, everywhere that I could to see different types of tattoos because I was like, damn, I really want one, but just it, nothing stuck. And then I I, I found this uh, artist's work uh, and then I did a reverse Google image search, found her Instagram and, and messaged her there. There you go. Slid yeah. into her DM. I slid right in. Okay, let's go back to some of the other subjects. Okay. So Smosh. Mm-hmm. Smosh is this you and your buddy. is yeah. just you and your buddy at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And it just starts to grow by leaps and bounds. And then it becomes, uh, for all intents and purposes, like a sketch. What would you say? It's like the SNL of the internet. Like you guys are doing some written stuff, some uh, animation. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like it's all over the place. Yeah, lots of different things. So so um, it started off as sketch. And um, I really felt comfortable with that. And then when we sold Smosh to what ended up becoming Defy, um, you know, they had uh, aspirations for us, which included expanding well beyond our means, in my opinion, to to uh, you know to, to launch a, a gaming channel, to launch an animation channel, to release a movie, to release you uh, did that multiple series, um, like a sitcom, to release uh, a magazine. Um, comic book they wanted to make you like the national lampoon of my era you know or mad tv yeah yeah mad the mad magazine exactly they wanted to make you a brand but you already were a brand we were a brand they wanted to expand that i guess to uh (laughs) to to squeeze as much out of everything that we could provide as possible i don't know if you felt the same way but i felt this when my son went there would i listen to in the things that you do and that my son do this is a whole new era it's not the business that i got into it's not tv it's Mm -hmm. not these studios it's and what happens with these big corporations is they take kids like you (laughs) and my and they try to um incorporate it into what they used to do yeah so it's like your your parents are throwing you a party instead of you (laughs) doing your own party when your parents leave the house. Exactly. Which is always the better party. Yes. Hi, I don't know if this is an actual ad or a meet and greet. And when I say meet and greet, it's M-E-A-T because I'm gonna talk about meat. I love meat, I do, I like protein. I like when I go out to eat, I'll have like a steak or chicken. And when I say when I go out to eat, I never, my wife, I always, for protein, up until I met the lovely people at ButcherBox, the only place I got good meat was out. And now I can have good meat in because they deliver the best. I don't know how to find good meat like at a butcher, right? Like I don't know how, I know how to buy produce. Like you know, like how I like to squeeze the produce, but you're not supposed to squeeze the meat. <laughs> I'm holding for a laugh. But anyway, uh, because I used to squeeze the meat, then my mom walked in and I stopped squeezing the meat. But anyway, um, I like really good. I don't know how to tell it's good. I can just tell you that the butcher box meat is really good. It's grass-fed, it's high quality, and I don't have to shop for it. It's so convenient. It just comes. It just, you, it, they deliver it. And then it's all good meat and all you gotta do is cook it. And I love being at home eating a good piece of meat and, and not alone with my whole family. So you can do that too 
you can do that too because they have so many, it's it's so convenient. Uh, you get what you want delivered and it comes right to the doorstep. It's free shipping uh, for the whole continent of the USA. So that's good. And there are no surprise fees and you can choose from a wide variety of options from curated to customized and um it's just amazing. So how do you do that, you ask? All you got to do is sign up today at butcherbox.com slash Howie, okay? And use the code Howie, H-O-W-I-E, to get 100% grass-fed chuck roast and a whole chicken free in your first box, plus $20 off. Is that not amazing? That's butcherbox.com slash Howie and the code Howie you'll get a special deal. Can't wait for my meat. So the, when you go with Smosh uh, and you're doing all this stuff, are you making more money being with Smosh or do you feel like, are they taking a percentage and you're making less and working harder? Well, okay, so uh, let's see. I mean, it's kind of hard to say because when we sold Smosh, there wasn't too much money to be made on the internet yet in 2011. Uh, so that was, we were six years deep. We made zero dollars for the first two years. We sold. Uh, we didn't you sell ads? Didn't hand, you have ad, ads? Yeah, but we we mostly made money up to that point. Uh, hand packaging uh, merch, merch, and selling it, like shipping it out of the local post office, packaging it in my bedroom. That was the way we afforded equipment and to pay for um, some very small production things. And then uh, finally. Uh, Google, we were, we were one of the first 10 channels after Google purchases YouTube where they enable monetization. Um, and then we're able to start paying for more things. And then uh, I had this little fear that YouTube was going to potentially collapse because they were changing a lot of things with the way that they were displaying content. And um, then also Defy came in and was like, hey, not only can we help insure you for at least, I think we did like a four-year contract at that point, uh, but we can also provide tons and tons of resources for you to do all these dreams that you have. And, um, you know, I was coding the website myself at that point and, uh, because I was just a kid that, that taught myself how to do all these things on the computer. And um, I was like, you know what? I would like to not focus on programming this website anymore or dealing with uh the server crashing and your partner did your partner know how to code no 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 that was that was all me um so i was like when, when we're gonna sell this company we're gonna take all that off my hands well i'll still be able to hopefully accomplish all the dreams that i had for this website becoming a place like um i wanted to feel like a little mini social media network that was only for people that were into the types of things types of comedy that we were into um but you know spoiler alert that never ended up happening because it wasn't as lucrative uh, or at least as quickly lucrative as i think that they had hoped for um but yeah then then they purchased and we became salaried employees and we were guaranteed a salary for those four years that was incrementally becoming uh, a little bit bigger of a number each year that we were there and um it was exciting because we had guaranteed money and i think growing up feeling like i came from an environment that was so chaotic i think i wanted stability and that was part of the that was probably the biggest reason that i ended up ultimately making the choice aside from lots of different people telling us that it was the best decision we could ever make um and i was 23 at the time i think now old enough to be able to to zoom out and see the potential downsides to all of it but i didn't know any better 
and um, decided that stability was the most important thing. Um, looking back now, I don't think that I would have made the same choice. Um, I might have still sold, but I think that I would have retained ownership in some way. You would have made a better deal. I would have made a much better deal. Um, and Was it yours, or were, did you guys split it? Was it 50-50? It was 50-50 between Ian and I. But yeah. like I said, it was, it was just stock, so... No, but anything that you were making, were you making equal money? Because you, you seem to be doing more of the work in, in as far as even technically behind the scenes and things you weren't like coding the, guess, the website. Yeah, I mean, I think that we might have done like 5248 because I was doing like slightly more. But I didn't mind doing that stuff because Ian, um, you know, uh, while I was doing more technical things, he was bringing a lot more of the lightheartedness and comedy um, and writing that I wasn't able to provide as well. So, you know, we were each able to focus on our, our strong suits. Um, but yeah, we were making a, a, a decent living off of that. You know, I was able to purchase a car and all these things I never thought that I'd be able to do. And then you grew into, there's a whole cast of people. Were they just employees? They weren't partners. Exactly. They were just employees. Um, and then the cast on screen talent started growing in about... 2015 that was about two years before i left um and it was something that we we did want we wanted to expand the cast um because we didn't want to have to be in everything uh i didn't see that you know considering that we did not own any of the company and that um we didn't reap any long-term benefits if they didn't go public i didn't see the potential dangers in casting people to replace us essentially not that they were going to replace us entirely but like you know appear in all the things and then have me kind of be sitting in the background i thought that was a great idea if i owned the company i think that would have been a great idea but considering i did not i think that it was a potentially dangerous plan to uh you know potentially replace us when you made the decision to leave mm -hmm. was that uh, uh are you still friends yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've been getting even more close lately. I think. Was it contentious at the beginning? It wasn't contentious. I think it was passive, you know, not necessarily passive aggressive, but very passive. We became friends in sixth grade. And I think that we established a lot of our communication style at that time. And it stayed sixth grader communication style for a very long time. But we've just, we've been reconnecting a lot lately. And what's um, he doing? He's still there. He's still with Smosh. So, um, and Smosh I, is like Rhett and Link now, right? Yeah, yeah. So so basically I left in 2017 when I realized that Defy was running it in ways that I, um, not just running the company, but also like running me into the ground with all the demands that they had for all the different things that, you know, we were required to be a part of. Um, so I left to do my own thing, very scary time. And then a year later, Defy shut down. They kind of had um, a very dark age period where they had no owner. And then Mythical, Rhett and Link, came in and purchased them. So now they, uh, Smosh is still is owned by a company, but it's now owned by Mythical, which is Red Link. Yeah. Yeah. So Ian's still there and Ian's been part of that ride the entire time. Do you ever, do, do you miss it? I miss doing Smosh sketches a lot. I don't miss doing a lot of the extra things that Defy threw at us to do. Some of it I do and it was really interesting, but it's the sketches themselves. And I think that there's this golden era, probably about a four year period which ironically was after defy purchase even though i ended up not liking the way that defy ran things it did take a lot off my plate and at that time i didn't know how to do all the things that defy was helping us do and i think that was our golden age of like these four years where our sketches were super 
tight. This the the script writing I think was was actually pretty damn good, and it it, it holds up. And I miss doing that. I miss just uh, the 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 late nights of of laughter, writing a script, and just one upping each other. Are you enjoying? Uh, you're doing really good, uh, and I'm going to do your your. Yeah. Your Are you enjoying? Because uh, you're really good at it at mm. interviews. Mm, you yeah. like interviewing because that's a different muscle than it's a very different muscle comedy. Yeah, and uh, ironically, I feel like the I, I when I first started doing interviews, I was kind of running it like it was a sketch comedy thing. I started um, having all my questions beforehand scripted out i knew exactly what i was going to say and it was very like i asked the question you answer cool now i'll ask the question and you answer and that's kind of the way it was and i've started to transform it lately to be very different very more much uh a conversation rather than that comes with maturity yeah and i think it also comes with confidence um in knowing that it'll be okay you know that the conversation can just flow naturally because people, whether it's on the internet or television or radio or wherever it is, I think that they they glom onto authenticity. Mm. You you should ask questions that you're interested in, and I yeah. think you do. And even if I tune into some of the things that, or I don't know who your guest is, mm. the fact that you're so interested, I, mm. I end up becoming interested in, yeah. in it. And you're really good at it. You are oh, really good. That. And congratulations on all that success. What do you see? Like you have, uh, you know, you've been in front of the public for, you know, uh, 17 years now, yeah. 17 years, yeah. like uh, pretty much half your life. Um, and, but you've evolved. It's very different than the, mm. the, the Pokemon song. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you have an aspiration for where you want this to go or where do you, or are you just living in the now? I'm, I've found that the internet requires you to live in the now a little bit in the future, but there's no way that you can predict where the internet will go. Um, you know, in, but you're in, not only doing internet. Well, you did you did some TV too. I know you were doing that Nickelodeon show. Yeah, yeah, that was that was temporary. That wasn't TV though. It was actually internet. And uh, a lot of t- people when I first got started doing stuff on the internet was always like, "So when's the TV show? When's the movie?" And you know, traditional media was the goal. But I've always seen the internet as the goal, and I think that other companies coming in have uh, kind of made me think that I should be needing to do all these other things in traditional media. But the internet is where it's at, and I think that you've. You've learned that. No, I learned that. You know, it's amazing. I'm on. I'm on uh, a show now that is considered like the number one show on the network. Yeah. And in any given week that it airs, uh, we're lucky if we have seven, eight million viewers live. Is that America's Got Talent? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, But but what I'm saying, and then you look at any clicking and any video (laughs) that you have, and that pales in comparison to how many you can get on the internet and who you're exposed to. And I'm also finding that the uh the clips that they take and they put on youtube i mean yeah. we get a billion a year oh shit in in, in clips dang in, yeah in, in in views so yeah. which is so much bigger and i realize that tv is kind of outdated <laughs> yeah it does kind of feel that way i think that there's a much there's much more longevity on the internet because things <laughs> kind of exist forever not only do they exist forever, because TV can exist forever. You can have a, ta- a, a, a tape made or yeah. whatever. Yeah. It's just you have access to the in- the globe. Yeah. And TV doesn't have access mm-hmm. to the globe. They have access to wherever it's broadcast. And it's searchable. Anyone that wants that type of content will find it in the way that all the algorithms work right now. It'll know if you want that kind of content. I know what you're saying. Not another commercial in the middle of this podcast. Yeah, I wanted to do one more commercial. This commercial is for... Um, 
nothing. Back to the pod. As a young man who uh, is in a relationship and working, the fact that your entire life is online mm. Mm. probably presents... Do you ever want to, like, I'm noticing, like, you show up here and you do the podcast and you have a group of people that are uh, pointing cameras at mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. and iPhones at us. and But every you live your life very publicly. Has that uh, been a, uh, a bone of contention at any time? Has it? Um, you know, growing up, I never wanted... <laughs> it's funny because I've lived such a completely different life than I imagined myself when I was a teenager. But I was like, I want to make something. Like, I wanted to make video games for a while. I wanted to design websites that would become, uh, you know, places that everyone wanted to be for a while. And I wanted to make something that was well known and respected, but I never wanted to be, you know, not my face. I didn't want my face out there. And that's just kind of uh, the hand I've been dealt. Um, and it's always just because I've been I've been so shy. I've never known how to. I've always just been just very nervous, like so much social anxiety, down to the point of panic attacks. And it could be because uh, my mom has agoraphobia. And uh, oh, does it, she? Yeah. And do you know what that is? Uh, I do know what that okay, is. Okay. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm uh, I have OCD and anxiety and depression, so I do agoraphobia. She won't mm. go out. Was you? She was locked in. Um, yeah. In in our house, she still lives in in my childhood home. That's been 32 years. She's she's had periods where she's gone out and things have been better, but then there's also been periods where things have been worse. Um, Are you an only child? No, I have two two brothers, but they that I grew up with. They're two half brothers that I grew up with um but the only child of my mom and my dad my parents split when I was two um but I think that I grew up with a lot of those a lot of the anxieties that my mom had I just absorbed well nature versus nurture so mm-hmm. that's that that's you were nurtured so somebody who's agoraphobic is is the phobia is just going out and interacting in the world so I would imagine as a young man that uh, she put those fears into you right because yeah yeah and it's it's not just you know i think that agoraphobia is the most visible element of what's going on it's um you know it's it's kind of a a fear of discomfort i would say you know and that's part of though she's probably constantly uncomfortable (laughs) yeah it's a it's an ironic thing but you have to flex the muscle of uh, of welcoming discomfort, of going outside of your comfort zone. And when you don't, everything starts to become uncomfortable because you haven't pushed the threshold. Is she seeking further. help? Um, yeah, she's 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 seeing a therapist. That's a somewhat recent thing. You know, I don't want to get into too many of her details, but she's. But she's I, I go to you know I'm a proponent. My my soapbox <laughs> is mental health. Yeah, yeah. I, I suffer tremendously constantly, mm, mm. but to grow up with somebody who is suffering is a, maybe that's given you your great perspective on, you know, even what you're getting out of your tattoo. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I grew up not understanding why she couldn't just, you know, in the back of my head, I was like, why can't you just, you know, I hear you, I hear that you want to go out more that you want to work at the preschool down the street. I, you know, I hear all these things that you want to do. And in, in my head, I, I can clearly see, it's like I laid out the steps that it would require to get there. And in my head, it's so easy, but to her, it's not. And I didn't understand for so long why it was difficult for her. I remember one thing that really stood out to me was I was graduating high school and she told me that, you know, I asked her, please be there, please be there. That would mean so much to me if you came to my graduation. 
and she you know it's it was always i'll try i'll try and i was like can you please just do it please and and um you know as a as a 17 year old I, I thought that all she had to do was say that she would do it and she'd be able to do it and it'd be okay and then she would see the light that things weren't that bad and then the her, her whole life would transform and she would be um you know able to accomplish all her dreams that she had but obviously it wasn't that simple um you know it was always it was always i'll try did she, did she show up and on that day, I was I was just constantly looking out at the audience, <laughs> audience, you know, the people watching the the people graduate, graduate. and um, I didn't see her. And I don't know why I thought like I felt like my like it was almost like her love for me was was attached to her showing up and I was crushed um, and I didn't understand why she couldn't. You know, when I got back home and I was like you didn't show up. I thought you would show up. And, um, she was like, I, I tried. And I was like, in my head, you know, being like an angsty teenager, I was like, you didn't try. You said it, but it was like, it was empty. You didn't, you didn't try. You did the same thing you, you, you do all the time, which is you, you felt more comfortable at home. So you just didn't. And I, I didn't understand it. And it took me years and years later after I started having my own panic attacks and I started understanding the feeling of feeling like home was the only safe place. Anything outside was potentially dangerous um, for me to understand where she was coming from. And I worked through it, you know, and part of that process of working through my panic attacks, um, there was no information about anything mental health at the time um, on the internet at all. Um, and I found this blog that talked about what panic attacks actually were and how they were the fear of fear which is which sounds so backwards when when you think about it. i couldn't wrap my head around it for the longest time but it was like it explained it as you have a fear of of something horrible happening and it's all hypothetical so you have a fear of the fear of something happening um so the way that this person in the blog wrote about it is they said that they tried to now i see it as a welcoming discomfort they said they tried to induce their own panic attack in their safe place in a place that they knew that nothing bad would happen. And they said that they weren't able to do it when they decided it was okay. So I gave it a shot and um, I sat there in my room and tried to encourage all these feelings to come up, all these uncomfortable feelings that usually at that time for four years, I dealt with this spawned a panic attack. Whenever I started to feel like, wait, something could go wrong right now. Something could go wrong. It, it, escalated from there and it was like well so something goes wrong right now it's gonna be the worst thing because th this will be the worst time and then i'm gonna be trapped here and it's gonna be worse than it ever has been and i started trying to think of all those feelings that i avoided anytime that i felt that feeling i just tried to avoid it and then it was like my mind would go there while another part of my mind would try to disconnect from that and then i would just dissociate from reality entirely that was the way that i escaped that feeling was just dissociating and in that moment, I could not bring myself to have a panic attack because once I decided it was okay, the panic attack did not happen. And that was my personal way. And it gave me a lot of perspective about what is actually going on in your mind. And I could no longer fault my mom for not being able to bring herself there, especially learning more about her history and things that happened in her life very traumatizing things where she felt like she was completely out of control and 
um, it gave me a lot of perspective and made started making me want to understand it more. And then, you know, leading into me doing my interview series, I started covering a bunch of mental health topics and interviewing people with all the different types of disorders and ailments because I feel like it was it's it's almost given me a peek into my childhood, my my mom's mind and where she came from. And I have all the sympathy in the world for what she's going through. And I know that it's a long process. And the longer that you've solidified your brain with one way of thinking, the longer you it's gonna take for you to 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 make that, you know, very concrete mind become more malleable and start to open itself up to different ways of thinking and feeling. Yeah, absolutely right. And also you're you um you become aware that this is not uh you know just your mom. Yeah. There's a lot of people out there. Yeah. That yeah. have uh, have created or are dealing with uh hurdles. Mm-hmm. You know, that just stop life. And, you know, uh, this is something that I've I've been fighting for and removing. And the, the fact that you're even here today and you're willing to talk about it as openly as you mm. talk about it kind of removes the stigma. Mm-hmm. I think your generation has less of a stigma, but yeah. I, I think there still is a huge stigma to, involved with anything that is uh, considered mental health. Mm. You know, I know that I've talked about this so many times, but, you know, if you're in an office in, in middle America mm. and you go, you know, I got to go home. My my uh, back is killing me. Everybody will tell you about their chiropractor yeah. or and, and you're OK. Or you go, I, I, I got a tooth. I got a tooth. I got to go get it. Mm. You can leave. But if somebody said right now, you know, uh, I don't know how to put it into words, but I just can't function and I'm I'm terrified and I need to go home and uh, my emotions are I, I just need you you'd be stared at and nobody has any you know and there are it does stop life and it is probably the most painful muscle that can be hurt is your your mind mm-hmm. and uh, as somebody who suffers from it and 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 uh, spends each and every waking moment trying to find a coping skill mm. um, first of all uh, kudos to you for being so aware and compassionate about what your mother has gone through but you have to take that journey from anger and mm. uh, and to kind of realize it and the fact that you're there for her I, I would imagine is, is wonderful for mm. her. Mm-hmm. And hopefully without getting into any details that she is surrounded by um, people that can give her the right help. But it is it, it's, it, it is discomfort. It's whatever level of discomfort. Everything is uncomfortable. Everything that we do is, the, you know, I mean, like getting dressed is uncomfortable. <laughs> it's un, it's yeah. uncomfortable to be dressed, but we do that because we don't want to go out naked, <laughs> you know, and we don't want to be. Us. Some of us are totally cool with it. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever done, do you do, do you drink or do, when you were dealing with this, have you, do you drink or do drugs? Um, you know, actually drinking spawned a lot of panic attacks. Um, actually smoking weed while, <laughs> while being hopped up on monster energy drink is actually what spawned my first panic attack. And I think it was, you know, the weed that was, uh, making me get really introspective. It was making me focus, um, uh, the way that I describe my panic attack a lot of times is it feels like tunnel vision where everything in the world kind of blacks out and I'm really just like in my head. 
um, which I actually realized that I had panic attacks when I was growing up and I didn't know that they were panic attacks. I thought I was sleepwalking where I felt like I was my, like, uh, when I was younger, I described it as like, I felt like I was me witnessing someone else's an out-of-body experience yes 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 now i know it's like maybe it's my consciousness witnessing reality um which now really hyper aware of what's yes but terrified of that disconnection from reality a feeling like that disconnection though is like it makes you feel like you're not in control and you're just watching it and there yes therein lies the terror yes so as a kid, I would have panic attacks, which I thought was sleepwalking because I felt like I was witnessing my body freak out, run around, have like energy expelled and not knowing what to do with it. Um, that was also probably caffeine at the kid. I drank a lot of caffeine as a kid. Right. Um, and uh, oh, so yeah, it was the the combination of weed making me introspective and then the caffeine making my heart beat very quickly. And then all I could focus on was that. And um, it was that disconnection from reality that spawned it for four years, which made me very scared of weed. I tried drinking um, to kind of make myself feel a little bit better. But then that was a little bit of a reminder of that disconnected feeling from reality because I wasn't in full control anymore. You know, going back to that control discussion. Um, so I stayed away from that for a, all a long time. Now, now casually, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll partake in some alcohol and weed. When's the last time you had a panic attack? Um, 20, 2015. And it was, uh, when I smoked weed again after many years of completely disregarding it. And, uh, I, uh, I tried the same experiment that I tried when I was younger. I welcomed it. I thought about what it would feel like. I talked about it with the person I was with. I, because for the longest time, I would think like it wasn't like I wasn't having one. And then I would have a panic attack for an entire day dissociated from reality, feeling like I was just like a blob moving through space, kind of on autopilot because I wasn't willing to talk about it or acknowledge it. But talking about it, acknowledging it, welcoming it actually made it go away pretty quickly. And then it was like a small little bit here and there. But that was a for the, the last full blown one that I've had. It's been years now. Have you gone to therapy? Yeah, and I started going to therapy in 2017 for something very different. That was after I sold Smosh and I felt like uh, I had no value anymore. But um, that also probably helped with that too. You went to, the fact that you sold Smosh sent you into therapy? No, so leaving Smosh right. in 2017 right. um, made me, I didn't realize how much I linked my success on the internet with my value and when numbers started dropping you know i came from a channel with 22 23 million subscribers the videos would get millions of views within a week um you know and then going off on my own and having so many of the comments i think the comments kind of brainwashed me because i allowed myself to not only read them but to give them some sort of value like they knew better like they were pointing out things that i couldn't be self-aware enough to realize. So I had to just take everything that anyone said at face value and be like, they probably know better if they're saying it. So many other people are thinking it and they're, you know. So I, um, when my numbers started dropping, I felt like I was only good with this one thing that I ever made. And, you know, it wasn't because of me that all this, all these things that I placed my value on, you know, now I say incorrectly, I don't see my value being the work that I do anymore. 
Um, but at the time I did, and when the numbers started getting to like, you know, 30K views per video, which a lot of people would be very happy with, um, and it's very privileged to say, but that was such a stark difference from the millions that I got and the comments saying, you know, washed up, irrelevant, has been, try hard, you know, all the things that they could possibly pull out while like, you know, they'd be like, Smosh is doing so well, better without you. You were, you know, keeping them back and things like that, which now I obviously... I'd be like, okay, <laughs> like that doesn't bother me now. It doesn't but bother you. Do you read the comments still? I still read comments and I feel like, um, you know, as much as I would maybe not like to, I think it's better to understand which comments to give value because there is a lot of value to many comments and the feedback that you get um, is, is invaluable on the internet because you are constantly having to be malleable and change based on the things that the, you know, people on the internet want and you have to know how to carve out a space with in the area that the that audiences want and create content there because you can't just keep creating the content that you know that you're familiar with and but the negativity seems to scream so much louder than the positivity and it's 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 hard to handle the negativity is it or do you find it easier now 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 i think that maybe there's one comment every couple weeks that Resin like like that's negative that sticks with me for a few hours. It used to be a lot of them, um, and you know I think that's just a, a relic of the past of of me putting so much value on these things. But I'm getting a lot better with it, and I think doing my interview series and learning so much more about why people do the things that they do and how um, you know speaking with a lot of other creators about this. I have a lot of creators on my show, and they talk about. Um, you know, the lessons that they've learned throughout life. And it's helped me uh, realize in terms of like the audience interaction that most times when people are commenting something negative, it's because, and this is also based on a lot of spiritual work that I've done too, but it's like, it's based on something negative that they feel they don't have control of in their own life. And they want to lash out and make it about something external that doesn't have to do with them. And I'm just in that crossfire. You said spiritual work. Are you religious? No, no, not no. religious. But Did you I grow would, up uh, religious. Um, family, you know, family on my dad's side, it was all about God. But I never found myself part of that. No. So, what is spiritual? You said you've done spiritual work. What yeah, is that? I, I think spiritual work for me, um, the way I would describe it, is understanding that there is a difference between. Uh, my consciousness, reality, and my mind. <laughs> you know, and it's you think that consciousness and the mind is the same thing, but the mind is actually just trying to grapple on consciousness, which which includes emotions and and other things like that. Um, but I feel like a lot of us um, growing up in Western culture feel like any emotion that we have is us and needs to be controlled and it's very scary and you know if i'm nervous coming into this thing today then i need to figure out how to fix that like there's a there's a way to fix it fix everything and um i've just been learning basically to go with the flow a lot more that's that's what i would consider that's my spiritual. that's great advice uh would do you want kids i don't think so i don't think Does so mikey no, <laughs> she's, she's, she's very much like, I mean, it, it's a maybe, but like a very small percentage maybe. Um, and for me, it's like maybe slightly higher percentage, but still leaning toward no. 
which is weird for you know someone in their mid 30s to say i feel like most people in their mid 30s would know right but for me i i don't but really... it kind of goes along with everything that you've been saying today and as far as go with the flow mm -hmm. so in this moment if you right. don't have the need and it is a need to mm. want to procreate a need to want <laughs> well, it is uh, yeah. nobody has more of a need than nick cannon at the moment <laughs> But you're not. You're like the opposite of Nick Cannon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but the point is that you know I think that a lot of people have children because they think they're supposed to. You're supposed to grow up, get married, and have kids. Well, yeah. Everyone you know has a parent, and therefore you know you're like that's the way life is. Right. And I think there's something to be said and respected to kind of say, well, that's not what I need. That's not what I want. And mm. you'll probably, the world would be better if people would make decisions based on what they need and what they want instead of what they think they're supposed yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, so I respect that. Okay. Um, uh, so then there's no reason to propose on this. You still don't want to, <laughs> because it would be a great closing to this podcast if you were <laughs> just to propose to Mikey. Um, I don't think it's going to happen today in this medium. I don't think that she would love being proposed to over something that wasn't even in front of her. Can I phone her and ask her to marry you? Um, I think if it's not in front of her, it would probably be a try again later. You want to let her tell me that? <laughs> can I ask you, her? You want it. Why, Can I ask you why you want this to happen? Besides the views and the clicks and uh, you know all the accolades. It's mostly the views and the clicks <laughs> okay. and the accolades, okay. to be honest. And also, I, I'm about bringing people together. <laughs> That's what I do. That's yeah. what I in I, holy matrimony. No, just an engagement. I'm not asking you to take it all the way. And you, listen, you, um, <clears throat> and then you can do it again at another time. I was okay, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you the sneak preview. <laughs> really? No. You want it so bad. I think uh, I'll be honest with you. Mikey called and said, "Is there any way that you oh. can get him to?" Oh yeah. Yeah, she called me. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm looking at my text. Oh yeah, I know. She she told. Totally <laughs> I'm lying. Yeah. You're amazing, buddy. Oh, and you well, deserve all the amazing. success you have. You really do. I would imagine you are just on the cusp of the, the amount of success that you're going to garner in your entire career and your life. Mm. You're incredibly smart. You're incredibly creative. Uh, mm. And I didn't know you. I've watched you. and uh, But now I feel like I know you a little bit more. And uh, your mom should be proud. Well, thank your you. mom should be really proud. And as a parent, uh, I'm proud. Oh, <laughs> you know, not your oh, parent. Thank but you, daddy. What? Who's your daddy? Sorry, what? Who's your daddy? Uh, anyway, uh, thank you so much. And I'm going to go do your uh, podcast. Yeah, come right? on down. I would. Is it down? Is it down? Is it, um, is it north of here or south of here? I think it's a little bit south, but mostly east. Wow. All right. Well, yeah. thank you. Uh, and also, do you want some merch? Uh, hell yeah. You're going to toss this me out of a... You're going to shoot it at me with a t-shirt cannon? Because I only want it if it's shot out of a t-shirt cannon. What if I throw it really hard at That'll you? work, yeah. And I won't try to catch it. Just try to hit uh, me in the face. You want a, a stuffed hoodie? Because most people go to HowieMandel.com, but you're just sitting here with Howie Mandel. Yeah. You want a t-shirt? You want a hoodie? What size are you? Uh, medium usually, but you know, I could swing a large if I'm going for a little bag. Let hit. me see what this is. I don't have a cannon, but... Oh, there's a medium. Oh, okay, hell yeah. So, so I'm, I don't have a cannon, but it'll be okay. like a cannon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Throw watch it at this. my watch face this. as hard as watch possible, this. and I no, won't even catch it. Yeah, that that felt like a cannon to the face. Okay, anyway, yeah, that's so it. I, you Roll know, it. that worked. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Thanks. Enjoy. Hell yeah, stuff. That was good.
That was good. Yeah, we just scratched the scratched the tip of the iceberg, man.